Welcome to Viewpoints Listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosek, and this is the ultimate uh, the ultimate edition of What's Making News for 2023 uh, with Russell Hanby, my co-host. We've had the pre-penultimate, we've had the penultimate, and now we've got the ultimate. And uh, we were just deciding, listeners, that uh, we'll come back on air um, in the final week of January. So we'll be pre-recording this one on the ultimate day of January 24, uh, the 31st of January, and that's when we come back. But we've still got to get through this one. So firstly, welcome Russell Hanby to this, the final one of the year. Thanks, Henry. Yes, and uh, welcome you to the Ultimate Show. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I hope a bit of your luck rubs off. The listeners don't realise it, but you've been skinning all the prizes at your new residence <laughs> in that <laughs> retirement village. <You've>, yeah, <laughs> how did you do luck, it? Are they a bit, a bit luck, gullible really. or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just luck. Luck of a draw, literally, yes. Well, you told <laughs> me you'd never won anything in the other place, and now suddenly you've um, <laughs> you got, uh, got the golden gift. Well, hopefully none of it will keep going, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you have any homework? I don't think you did. No, no, no homework. And, no uh, homework. No, so, and with Christmas we won't have any, no doubt, either. You wouldn't do that to me, would you? No. <laughs> well, you've got a month to do, and a bit to do it, so no. And you, I'd, I'd, I'd forget by then anyway, Russell. So, no, there's no, no homework this week. Um, the first one, Russell, it's in the Herald Sun. Pop-up heart checks a lifesaver. Regional testing a success. Victorian lives have been saved by a simple idea to put pop-up health heart checks in regional shopping centres and workplaces. The Monash University study found most of the 454 adults who took the four-minute test unknowingly had at least one cardiovascular risk factor. factor. These included high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels. So that that's another um, good medical thing, isn't it? Yes, it's weak. We seem to have a good uh, breakthrough in that regard. And uh, it's like the Shane Warne's legacy there. We've heard mm. about that there at the various uh, Boxing Day tests at uh, the MCG. They're going to have a lot of these testing stations around. And uh, yeah, the, and the risks, as you say, include high blood pressure and high cholesterol levels that uh, were detected in the country region. And um, the, re, uh, the um, Gippsland Healthy uh, Heart Study, led by Professor Stephen Nichols, found a few needed immediate medical help. And some had ignored having a fair bit of uh, chest pain, even. Good uh, professor, professor Nichols is director of uh, Vic Heart Institute and a professor of cardiology at Monash Uni and program director of Vic Heart Hospital. So uh, he's very well credentialed. And, and the study found 85% had vascular risk factors that were not being treated. And it's interesting, in this case, the health checks are coming to the community rather than the community having to make appointments in hospitals, etc. And he wants the checks to be tailored for local communities and events. So uh, it's a good uh, good wake-up. It's surprising that 85% uh, had problems, though, of those tested. Yeah, and they didn't know about it, which is uh, interesting because um, either they're just due for their next uh, general checkup, or they haven't... Uh, been getting those things checked up uh, in recent times, Russell, and it's it's interesting because in a lot of cases, and we've been told this, um, if you get early screening, checkups, blood tests, whatever, get those things done regularly, um, you can you can prevent a lot of uh, conditions getting to being more serious or even fatal. And maybe these people uh, have had some of them and may have had their lives saved by just this little. Check up, um, pop up, check uh, place. 
Yeah, that uh, only takes a few minutes apparently, so it's a good good value, isn't it, for everyone? Absolutely, and uh, and uh, as you mentioned, the Shane Warne. Um his children, uh, Jackson, Summer and Brooke, are encouraging fans to tip their hat to Warney and take the heart health checks at his beloved G because, um, sadly, uh, he, he left us last year, I think it was, wasn't it? Or the, yeah. yeah, last year. and um, Last year, was it? Yes. And yeah. uh, sadly, that might have been avoided had he um, paid the same sort of um, attention to his, his health as his children are now encouraging everybody else to do. Indeed, yes. So let's hope that we'll see if these do roll out to lots of areas. Mm, lots of lots of areas. Now, what's the next one, Russell? This is a, an interesting one. I thought you'd like it. Yes, uh, from the age of flood. <laughs> You've got your boat out. <laughs> but fresh storm threats remain. Cairns Airport has reopened after hundreds of passengers were stranded or delayed when significant flooding in far north Queensland forced the runway to close at the, re- the weekend. This is the weekend gone as, mm. we're, as we're doing this. Yes, almost 100 homes have been damaged and one destroyed and uh, defence personnel are evacuating a place called Woojil Woojil, uh, yes. uh, which uh, has a population of only 300 by Chinook helicopter. So um, there's a lot of things happening up north with the floods. Mm. And then now there, as we do this, there are still forecasts of possible heavy showers across the Cape and north of uh, Cooktown continuing, leading to perhaps more river rises. And uh, uh, there are people stuck in Cape Tribulation, uh, about mm. five or 600, and uh, there's only one road in and out that's blocked by several landslides. So that's uh, a very popular tourist area, isn't it? Mm, and, absolutely. Um, Several highways remain cut uh, as we do this. Uh, the, the main Bruce Highway had just reopened. but uh, And as you said, uh, there's more than 500 stranded in Japan after the Cairns Airport closed at the weekend. Uh, I think they're just about getting the planes up and running now. But uh, a lot of water up there, and it's uh, a result of the uh, that cyclone, uh, wasn't it, that hit the, at the weekend? Yes, uh, yes, it was. And I said you'd like it because Cairns Airport has reopened and... Uh, uh, some people can uh, get in and out of Cairns, which has been um, really cut off. My daughter lives up there, um, Russell, and she said the rain has been torrential. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, as we yes. can all see, uh, as we can all see in the the uh, news uh, broadcasts, uh, very very severe. I think um, there's been crocodiles swept out up at Innisfail, you know, in out of the drains and the. the so you've got to be very careful for in, in a lot of ways. Now, they, they got criticised, the BOM, Bureau of Meteorology, got criticised for not getting the weather patterns right, but it's an unpredictable system and it's not, it's not that easy to, be, to perfectly pick what might happen. No, and uh, I think uh, probably a bit unfairly they've been treated. Normally they do give warnings as soon as they can, but this one I think uh, was unexpected, largely, wasn't it, even for them? Well, they knew it was coming, but it's the intensity of it that they can't be certain of, and um, the weather patterns can change uh, quite uh, quite dramatically. Uh, cyclones, yeah, you can predict, but they're, they're also unpredictable at the same at the same time. So maybe maybe people and people were warned. I know my my daughter who's up there said they've all been preparing for days and days and days. So it wasn't like. People were caught unawares up there, but um, the intensity, the intensity of it, and the flooding has been uh, something else. Now, mm. 
do you like getting out in the dark and looking at the sky, Russell? <laughs> well, occasionally it's good if you get away from the city lights, but yeah, uh, yeah. this is a story. So anyway, we've got a city park. It's the last dark park, apparently. It's at uh, Royal, Mark, uh, Royal Park. And uh, the uh, city of Melbourne's considering lighting up Royal Park at night due to safety concerns. But experts say dark parks are important for wildlife and residents. So you've got two uh, sides of that story there. Mm. And... Um, and the, eight, the 181 hectare Royal Park is Melbourne's last remaining dark park and uh, safety audits show that women in particular at times feel unsafe, mm, yes. especially after the uh, 2019 murder of uh, Courtney Heron, which uh, yep. made the news back then. Uh, the City of Melbourne is considering installing lighting and the audit showed people are less likely to travel after nightfall due to safety concerns, which sort of makes sense, of course. But there are groups like Protector of Public Lands, a fellow Michael Pettit, he said that uh, plants and animals depend on the Earth's daily cycle yes. of light and dark and says artificial light has a deadly and negative effect on many creatures like amphibians, birds, mammals, insects and plants. And he's backed up by the Institute of the Dark Sky Association, uh, Dr Barry Clark, who says artificial light, he says, has got no effect on crime rates. I don't quite know how he gets those, uh, that information, but uh, he seems to think it's got little effect if it's dark. Now, Dr Nicole Carms, of Monash Union director of uh, a group called XYX Lab, says that uh, women will avoid well-lit areas too uh, if it's uh, fairly uh, isolated and they feel conspicuous under the lights. So uh, you've got two sides there, haven't you? Yeah, look, and... Um you have got two sides on that one, and you can see the concern, and and, and I quite understand it. Um, but at the same time, as you say, uh, if it's a vast and uh, unoccupied parkland, I mean, if you're walking down the streets of Melbourne and you're the only one in the street, and uh, that, that you can feel a bit vulnerable, whether you're a man or a woman. I know women, women are more vulnerable often uh, than men in that case for for a variety of reasons, but. If you're the only one there, you do feel, I, I know, I can sometimes feel just, oh, gee, if you see somebody approaching, uh, it can make you feel a bit awkward. But, yes, I, I don't tend to walk through big parks at night, you know, the, even the well-lit ones if you're you know, on your own and it, it's, it's, it's sort of semi-lit. What about you, Russ? Do you, yeah, that's, do you yeah, wander the, the parks at night? No, no, no. And just seem to keep because even on the bike parks, they, they go through a fair bit of bush and fairly isolated even in the daytime. So I don't think I fancy it at night really on my own, you know. No, no, but it's a, it's a, it's a good point. And uh, where do you think they'll come down on on that one? What do you think they'll end up doing? I don't know. They may compromise and not like have the place lit up like a Christmas tree, which is appropriate for this time of the year. But more, maybe they'll put a few lights in uh, on the pathways or something. But uh, um, I don't know. I, I think they'll lead towards what most people would, I think, want lights, wouldn't you, uh, to some degree? Yes, yeah, I can see that they'll probably go that way. And um, yes, and that'll have a deleterious impact on. Uh, on the wildlife. I mean, our circadian rhythms, we get upset and that can affect our health if we don't get regular sleep at regular times. And I can see why wildlife would have the same problem, Russell. Yes, you're right. You only have to know when we have a solar eclipse that uh, the birds all go to sleep, don't they? Then they wake up again half an hour later. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard you fall asleep too. Is that true? <laughs> I don't need a solar eclipse for that. No. <laughs> you don't need a solar eclipse for that. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't be laughing, Russell. Uh, now, 
look at the bargain this woman, Jenny, Jessica Vincent, has got. I'll let you, I'll let you you're on a roll so you can keep <laughs> introducing him. Fancy being so lucky, Russell. Yes, this is almost one of our odd spots, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, almost an odd spot. <laughs> Anyway, a fairy tale find as a $6 op shop vase sells for 160000 at auction. Yeah, there was something special about the green and burgundy striped vase selling for $6 that Jessica Vincent couldn't put her fingers on. Mm. She didn't pick it up immediately but circled back and planned to buy it just as long as it wasn't too expensive at $12 or $13. Well, she got it for half that. And, uh, yeah, when she got home, she noticed a small M mark yes. on the bottom of the vase and she knew a bit about it and suspected it was made in Murano near Venice. It's known for high-end glass. So later she found it was an ultra-rare piece from renowned Venetian architect Carlo Scarpa, part of a 1940s Penelope series worth $160,000. So she plans to repair the farmhouse she recently purchased and uh, the vase had been given to the op shop by an unknown donor. So that's a lucky story for her. Not so lucky for the unknown donor, I guess. No, no. Um, that's what's called, the, as they said there, the Richard Wright, the president of the Wright Auction House, said, well, this was a gift from the thrifting gods. Have you heard of the thrifting gods? No. Haven't <laughs> they haven't looked down too well on you, have they? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although you've been lucky lately, they've been looking. Well, you're, the you're the good. Trend. You're the what, what would you call those gods? The lucky charm gods. Possibly, yeah. The last three days, yeah, that's probably <laughs> it. <laughs> they've moved. They've moved on. Yeah. What did you? The, the vase is quite unusual looking. It's sort of. I don't know that it. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have thought I'd have bought it just looking at it. Would you? No, no. It, it, it just it's got sort of stripes on it, and it doesn't look anything. You wouldn't look twice at it, really, would you? You know. No, it's a pity about the people at the Goodwill store. Had <laughs> they realised, it would have been their take, wouldn't it? That's yes. You often hear things like that, but not perhaps to this uh, extreme amount, do you? Don't you? You know. Yes, it was, and it was the Venetian architect Carlo Scarpa that uh, was the person behind it. It was part of his 1940s um, Panelate series. Amazing. Uh, and and um, it was sold to a an unidentified private art collector in Europe last week for that for that sum of $160,000 Australian or 107100 US. So somebody it's back in Europe now, Russell, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's uh, made its way back there. So uh, that's interesting how it's gone around the world, but she's uh, made a bit of money in the meantime. And it was undamaged. That's the other thing, isn't it? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You'd have thought, uh, you'd have thought uh, it could have got a knock here or a chip there. And a lot of those old things, people just chuck them out. They don't bother to give them to the gift shop or op shop too though they think old vases they, who wants an old vase I mean yeah you often see it in hard rubbish and the nature strips don't you absolutely so that was a and I'm sure that's not the only one but others would have slipped through but uh, fascinating have you ever bought anything from the op shop or one of those bargain places and then found out that you know that uh, that that uh, little coin you bought that penny you bought <laughs> was actually a 1930s <laughs> penny no, I haven't. Not really, no. <laughs> I've only bought a few wine glasses, I think, uh, and uh, and the old vinyl record for about $2 back in the day, you know. Are they worth anything now? 
uh, they're probably worth a lot. I know even they put up the prices now. In fact, op shops have changed over the time, haven't they? Mm. And they, a lot of people buy stuff there because uh, they're, they're trendy or a bit retro in many cases. They like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's the same as records, you know. Um, old, undamaged vinyl records can be worth quite a bit of money if you've got the right ones. Yes, they, they can indeed. It's done a resurrection vinyl, hasn't it, in the last mm. five years? And look, the look it's, players are... it's like a lot of things, Russell, you know, um, what's our trash? The few people who hang on to them, one day they become collector's items because people are, people are always interested in the past, you know, and history and what people did and used and uh, where the, the, the modern conveniences, etc., uh, originated from in their original form. I mean, have you still got, I know you were into radio, weren't you, when you were young, and have you got an old crystal set still somewhere? Or they no, no, they read years ago. I did have one when I was a young boy, you know, about 11 or 12, right? The, the, the antenna was, uh, yes. the wire was on a big pole at the back fence and up high, and yeah, yeah, pretty good reception for the day, you know, I suppose, too. Absolutely. I've still got a couple of old, Radios, I'm looking at them now. I've got a Radiola one and a Centenary one there from somebody. Silver Anniversary uh, one as well. Um, just because I, you know, we had the old radios. Remember the old radios? AWA yes. and Radiola. Chrysler, I've got a Chrysler Silver Anniversary one up there. Uh, are they yes. valve ones or just uh, made up ones uh, to look like old ones? No, they're Is the real pro- deal. So it's got valves that light up. Has yeah, it too? they've got them. I used to be able to make. Yeah, they still. They used to work on AM. Oh yeah. 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 yeah they're the real, the real thing. A good tone, wasn't it? A good sound. Those old ones. Those they radios. did. In a row, you turn the dial around and get yeah. it all stay. And you had to get it right on the station, didn't you? Oh it's yes. Quite different. To, <laughs> not to digital like today. Where Absolutely just... <laughs> not. You got an old radio there at home? Um. Not that old. I've got a few. I've got the old transistor types going back twenty years, I suppose. Yeah. I haven't got a. I haven't got a very old uh, one though. No, which, uh, I'll no, bring no. them around one day and show them to you. I'm sure you'd be <laughs> interested. Now, time's on the wing. What's the odd spot doing this week, Russ? Well, well uh, apes. We're talking about apes now. No monkeying around on this one. No monkeying able... around on this one. <laughs> Apes are able to recognise friends they haven't seen in decades, US researchers have found, meaning that they have the longest social memory ever seen outside humans. The chimpanzees and bonobos, I haven't heard of that, a bonobo, in the study, recognised photos of group mates more than 25 years after last seeing the animals. The researchers said the apes looked significantly longer at images of those they knew than images of strangers. So there they are. They can remember going way back. That's interesting. I read that, Russell, and I thought, my God, those apes are better than me because I can't remember (laughs) faces. I mean, you see sometimes people and they say hello and you go, my God, do I know you? And you pretend that you do until you try to get a clue out of them, you know. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I ran into somebody the other day with my son. We were out having dinner and a person that I, I knew 30, 40 years ago says, G'day, Henry, Henry Grossack. And I go, hi, hi. Yes. And I said, oh, it's Bob here. Because he said, oh, it's Bob, not his surname. And, uh, of course, and I said to Paul, I said, oh, this is Bob. And, yeah. of course, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of um, mo- moving my lips because I wasn't looking at him. I was saying, uh, mouthing, asking him his surname because <laughs> I've forgotten. 
And your surname yeah. was, says Paul, and the man calls out his surname. <laughs> yes, it's sad, as you say, when you have to introduce someone or if another person comes up and you you, you and you don't know the guy's name, you know, and you get caught then. I think I think we've all been in that at least once in our life, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, yes. You just feel quiet because they've recognised you. That's that's, yes. that's the sad part, and you feel. I suppose you, I'm supposed way, suppose to know them. You, it's supposed to be the best place to come up front and go, I'm terribly sorry, but I've actually forgotten your, your surname, <laughs> you could say, you know. <laughs> it is embarrassing, especially when they haven't forgotten yours, Russell. Yeah, when they know you. Yeah, yeah I and know. And you think, it's pretty obvious, you think they know you don't know when you just say, oh, how are you going, you know, without mentioning <laughs> their name. <laughs> well, do you reckon we'll remember each other on the 31st of um, January when we get back together again after um, today, Russell? You mem- you recognise my voice? I'll recognise yours. Oh, I think we'll know by that stage, yes. I mean, if, if, if apes can do it, we can, you think? So? Absolutely. <laughs> We're not going to be outdone by a chimp, are we? No, no. <laughs> Well, listen, thank you so much for a wonderful year. We've had great fun and times here, and uh, that was a good one, a good uh, odd spot to finish on, um, recognising and remembering old acquaintances. <laughs> <laughs> well, you take oh, care, have a great Christmas, and we will be back with uh, What's Making News 2024 at the end of January. All right, we'll look forward to it. Thank you. That was Russell Hanby, co-host for many years now with me on What's Making News, and um, we'll test him out when we come back, see if he does recognise uh, recognise my voice. We'll see. Well, listeners, have a great holiday. Thank you for staying with us throughout the year, and um, we'll be back in 2024.